0: It goes back to what I tell all my students is that everybody has a different learning style. So everybody learns differently. Sometimes it might overlap, but some people need to see someone doing it, demoing it in front of them. That's Mm -hmm. why I love the videos that we're able to produce because we're able to show people visually like these are the suggestive ways in which the poses are done. These Mm -hmm. are how they're constructed. This is the anatomy in which it targets. And then from another perspective, like if that triggers something where you feel like you have to look a certain way or wear a certain thing, and you just want yoga, you could I invite you to even like turn off any visual aid and just listen to yeah. how the instructor is guiding. Uh, because I used to think that yoga had to look a certain way, and it doesn't. Yoga is how it makes you feel after or while you're doing it.
1: Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast. Featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by wellnessplus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel.
2: Hello, patrons, and welcome to another episode of the Getting to Know Us podcast video awesome fusion thing that we have created just for you, patrons, because we are so grateful for all of your support. So I'm talking today with Julia Bennett. Thank you so much for being here, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. So we've filmed, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 20 yoga videos? Yes. Maybe more? I don't know. Yes. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you first got interested in yoga?
0: Sure. So I think that with yoga, it's one of those things that... It's out there and people hear about it and they need to have, like, this personal connection to it. Mm. And for me, it didn't happen until I was injured from playing soccer in college that forced me to slow down and do the very counterintuitive thing for me, which is to take deep breaths and to be with myself and to not be overstimulated. So it was a long time coming, I think. I was 24 at the time and... Oh, no, I was 21 at the time. And then when I was practicing, I fell in love with it because something shifted mentally for me that mm. I don't think... I mean, when I played sports, it was it would sometimes happen. But with yoga, it was like every time I came to my mat, uh, it was like this ritualistic thing of emptying my mind and mm. this self-critique and this place of expectation. So all in all, after college... I really got into it,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: now here I am. Oh, my gosh, 10 years later, I feel like, <laughs> and I'm still still a big advocate for yoga.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's so funny because knowing you now, mm-hmm. you, to me, like really embody all of those aspects of yoga oh that you were word. just mentioning, you know, breathing deeply, being really calm. You just have this, like, such a sweet, open-hearted demeanor. Oh, wow. So it's kind of funny that what you were just saying is... You know, it wasn't until you got into yoga and, you, and it was really different for you at that time to slow down and breathe deeply and all those things. So it's just really funny for me to think about, you know, what you were like before you started doing yoga and that you do have this, like, athletic, probably kind of competitive mm-hmm. side from having played
0: sports for so long. Yes, I think it's funny, like, just thinking about iterations of your own self and other people. I... Was very competitive. I had an older brother, eight years older than myself. I still do. Sorry. I still have an older brother (laughs) who, when I was growing up, he was in sports and I always wanted to prove to my parents and to him and to my friends and everyone around me that I could keep up. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always been this softness of trying to be gentle and kind to the world and to others and to myself that Mm -hmm. I really never listened to until I was given the opportunity to. And so when I started doing yoga, I felt that there was all this space and all these people that I knew were out there, but I could never really connect to. And then mm. when I connected to them, I was like, oh, they're just mirroring a lot of myself. And I, I really found it to be safe and wonderful. And then from there, it like it kind of is like life there were variations of people that i may not have agreed with or do not align with and and mm-hmm. then i had to ask myself i think a lot of people in religion do this too in politics and every big social circle They have to ask themselves what bits and pieces do they want to apply to their life Mm -hmm. and not to blanket the whole thing of being like, well, I don't like it because these people aren't representing it, right? It's like your opportunity then to find people that are more in alignment with you. Mm -hmm. And so that was just like my process. And and then when I was 27-ish, like in 2014, I got my yoga teacher training. Okay. And that was a big pull for me from mere curiosity of expanding my knowledge of yoga. I had Mm -hmm. no intention of teaching actually. And I think that really played at my self-worth and my value of how I didn't want to be a teacher that someone didn't align with. Like I wanted Mm -hmm. to please everybody. I wanted everyone to be like, oh, she, she has all this knowledge. And, and then at the same time, I didn't want to be seen as their guru. So it was like this really kind of, conflicting point, but I, I just dove right into it and I really loved the experience.
2: Yeah. And I think what it speaks to is that, you know, every single one of us is so unique Mm -hmm. and we all kind of have, um, you know, those different things that we resonate with or different people that we resonate with, you know? So from the perspective that, you know, internally you were thinking, you know, how can I expect myself to be able to teach all these people and be what they need right now Mm -hmm. is kind of – an impossible thing anyways, because there's no way to be everything that everyone needs. You know, everyone's coming in. Some people, maybe they're just concerned with their physical body Mm -hmm. and getting in shape or losing weight or something. Maybe the people, you know, some of the people that come to class are there for the more, like, stress-relieving, emotional, heart-opening benefits. So just being yourself, and this is kind of something we were talking about before we started rolling, you know, like just being really true to yourself kind of is the best way to serve everyone.
0: Yes, and I would say, and this happens to me a lot, sometimes I really do question who I am and what I'm doing and what's it for. And Mm. I know that in 2014, like, the peak of my 27th year like there's this thing called Saturn return where it takes Saturn 27 years to circle the sun Mm
3: -hmm. and
0: that's really a pivotal time for humans and in the space that they're evaluating what has been kind of given to them whether it be expectations or programming or what they think they need to be Mm -hmm. versus who they feel like they are becoming Mm -hmm. and it's this constant like back and forth, kind of like this pendulum. And so when I was 27, I, I was very much like, I, I don't agree with society. I don't agree with power dynamics and politics. And I just think that humans need to revert back to this essential tribalism of being in a small colonial group and everybody having a role and a purpose and, mm-hmm. and letting it be like this collective. And then I like... Having been raised in the Midwest with these expectations of having a good education, getting married, having kids, Mm -hmm. and then asking myself, is that really what I want at 27? Mm. Then I started doing yoga and feeling that there were other outlets of mastering the mind and really not feeling like you have all this time in the world to do whatever. It's, like, really finding the intentionality to it. Mm. Then I, like, somehow came back to the middle balance ground of it. So, like, that's what I think yoga is. Yoga is it doesn't matter how you come to the mat or how you get introduced to it or what your reasons are, but hopefully you derive kind of the main missions that everyone derives from it, which is it's your life. You can dictate what you want to do, but hopefully you find the bottom of your bottom of your bottom of being like, this is the worst I've ever been in so that you at least know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then the most euphoric space that you can navigate in between. Um, So yeah, I did that a lot and now it's funny. I'm married and um, kids are definitely something that we're contemplating and talking about, but at least it's just, it's a dialogue and it's a thought. It's not like I have to do this because someone told me I Mm have to. It's, it's like owning the decisions that you make. So yoga to me is a sense of accountability and empowerment because you are forced to sit with yourself and Mm -hmm. to be like, where do I end and someone else begin? Or where do all these people that have influenced me end and I begin? So yes, that's how I view it.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think that's such an interesting thing to point out because clearly we're all a, you know, just kind of melting glob of who we are just, you know, what we were born as, the things that are maybe like intrinsic to us, and then like the nature and the nurture. So the impacts that we received from our family, from our culture, the social pressures and expectations. um, And I think for everyone, we're all kind of in that, like, navigating mode or whatever of trying to figure out, okay, well, what's me and what's everyone else's expectations? Right. And then asking a question like, what does it take to truly be happy? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it take to truly feel contented and fulfilled? You know, maybe not necessarily knowing the exact navigation and the exact proportions of what you are, but just being aware Right. that like sometimes when you have a feeling or an emotional reaction or whatever, it's, you know, a result of that like programming and social expectations or social cues or whatever. And you just, by having that awareness that you have those influences on you or whatever, you are able to just, um, I think, own it a little bit more, Mm -hmm. own those emotional reactions that you have, or those certain, you know, feelings that you have about a certain thing, you know, taking yoga as an example. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe they, they think about yoga and they are either like, oh, well, that's spiritual and I have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, well, it's a a bastardization of what yoga really is supposed to be. And so like, there's but you just kind of notice these negative thoughts and negative feelings you have about something that in and of itself is something really beneficial and powerful and positive but then people kind of get these little um like mental hiccups almost that you get kind of trapped in thinking of something a certain way and just not even being aware that like well yoga isn't intrinsically spiritual or intrinsically you know, a bastardization of how it began in the beginning and you just kind of let it be what it is is—an mm-hmm. experience for what it is without all of your kind of expectations or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, the thing that has helped me the most about yoga is noticing energies and that might sound really esoteric. It might sound really spiritual, but uh, I just think of energy in terms of Emotion is just energy in motion. So the way that I view it is that if someone's angry, that's a lot of intense emotion that is mm-hmm. coming out. And I try to like pull away the layers of like what is creating that anger. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I'm angry back, it creates literally this like wall, this like energetic wall, because when two people are angry, they can't really hear what the other person is saying. It's like they they just want to be heard and they, they want to feel um, understood, and I'm not trying to make generalizations about it, but I realized that there's a lot of pain behind anger. Like, mm-hmm. Anger is this manifestation of a lot of repressed things. And so when I, before yoga, I used to think that like anger had to be fought with anger. Like, I mean, I think that's how wars are derived. I think that's like how a lot of misunderstanding happens. Yeah. And I just know that when I see anger, it makes me angry, but like I had to do the counterintuitive thing of being like that person and that energy doesn't need to be met with that anger that Mm. person actually just needs a platform to be heard so i like sit back and let them have their like their expression and i don't mean to like project like how i process but like sometimes when i'm really angry whether it be about anything i i have the people closest to me that understand that half of my process is just letting myself say whatever is making me angry and then it's almost like the words come out into the ether and i like watch them and i'm like you know it's really not that like i Mm. thought it was that thing but it's like a lot deeper it's mostly that i just need to feel like i'm in a team or i'm connected to something and i feel very disconnected and i'm frustrated Mm. but it allows me to kind of have my own self-soothing mechanism that like if i'm angry and i say it and then someone meets me with that anger of their own stuff, then I get angry at them for not, like, letting me have my space to deal with it in my mm-hmm. own way. So, it's like, that's why I think a lot of miscommunication happens. I mean, I, th- I think a lot about it because I'm married. There's a lot of central themes with that, too. But then that's also very much in yoga. So, like, really observing the students and why they come and letting them have their space to deal with things the way that they know how mm-hmm. and not condemning them for it. Because yeah. Because... Like, we're human. We're all human. And we have that past regression of programming of, like, maybe we're used to feeling guilt first, and then we feel sadness, and then we let that go. And, like, while someone's in their guilt or their sadness phase, I shouldn't be like, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that. You should feel happy. Yoga is here to make you happy. Let's all be happy. Like, forget Mm. about that. Like, no, it's about, like, meeting people where they are. Yeah. Um, And I think that yoga can oftentimes be misinterpreted it as like having to have the the most zeness or like the best body prototype or um like the like yoga instructors have to be so well put together and like half the time I'm not. <laughs> and like I used to beat myself up about it and be like Oh, my God, I'm a yoga instructor, and I'm angry. I'm angry about something. Like, I can't be angry. Like, people will see me, and they'll be like, she's not a good yoga instructor. And then I learn, like, I have to deal with it my own way. And when I come to class, I'm merely holding space for people. And so, if they see me outside of my my class, and I'm not well put together, like... They might have an expectation, but I can't control that expectation. Mm -hmm. So I just have to know when I'm in class, I'm offering a service. When I'm outside of my classroom, I want to uphold that. Like, I still want to have that same mentality, but I'm not always going to. So I I think it's leveling with yourself, too. Mm -hmm. But you have to give you have to take that same compassion you have towards other people and apply it to yourself.
2: I think that is a huge theme (laughs) across, you know, we could talk about, yeah, people wanting to learn something new, like yoga, or trying to lose weight or get healthy. This idea of self-compassion just comes up over and over and over again. And unfortunately, be it nature or nurture, I don't really know, you know, there's a huge lack of self-compassion, I think. I mean, at least among, you know myself, the people that I know, my friends, you know, there tends to always be, like, that inner critic voice is the strongest voice. And then everything ends up being about, like, how do I, you know, gain control over that critical voice? You know, how do I stop being so hard on myself? Um, So I think it's really interesting that, you know, this idea of, of yoga and, you know, just I think like emotional awareness that comes from that practice that really lets you notice that negative self-talk or those like self-critical feelings, you know, like you said, as well as the critical feelings we have about other people, you know, just like helps us bring our awareness to that. And um, I think so much of it just comes down to not letting those like um, really strong emotional reactions get the best of us. Whether that's anger at someone else, or anger at ourselves, or disappointment at ourselves, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that could probably be like a whole topic of a podcast is just oh, like how you deal with those painful emotions because it's a part of our everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying, even for a yoga teacher, it's maybe kind of expected to always be really zen and they're just like living in an eternal namaste and yes. they never get stressed <laughs> out and they never get upset about anything. I mean, that's just not realistic.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also perpetuating this like, keeping up with the Joneses in its own yoga way. <laughs> uh, like, I think of, like, a vessel of, like, um, like because I think of, like, Zen masters and, and, you know, sometimes I view them as just this white column of just energy flows right through them. Like, they mm. don't hold on or latch on to anything because that's one of the pillars of yoga, is, like, not having attachment. And, like, in society, like, that sounds great, but we're all kind of attached to something, whether it be this idea of having to be polite or having to be positive or perfect. Like those are attachments to ideas, not Mm -hmm. physical, tangible things. So when I think of this yoga master and that there's this level of passivity, it triggers something inside of me too. Like I don't want to live my life in a very passive way because I think there's strength and intention. Mm -hmm. So I sometimes like give myself the benefit of the doubt that every person that exists on this earth is human And so whether the yoga master decides to live their life of intention of mindfulness or of being present in the moment, I think that means that energy can't just pass through them Mm -hmm. because they have to harness in a way to be present. Does that make sense? Like I I do believe that they are just redirecting energy. And Mm -hmm. so I just try to think of myself um, that it creates this really vicious, ugly cycle of being mad when I'm mad or being sad when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. So instead of like feeling like I'm just passive and I don't care about anything, I think, okay, I'm upset now about something, obviously, because I'm I'm not feeling fulfilled or I'm not feeling like I can breathe easily. Mm-hmm. Then I allow myself to feel that way. It's to be like, okay, no, I got to, like, I got to, I have to do it. I have to pull it all together. Like, I just allow myself to be like, okay, I'm I'm not feeling the best. And um, that gives me kind of this, like, check-in. Of a compass of being like, okay, well, I can navigate towards that, but I don't have to do that right now. Because if I had the sense of urgency to have to do it right now, then that would mean that I'd have to get out of the present moment and shift towards something and ignore mm-hmm. what I was feeling in the moment. Yeah. So I, I really do that. And then I'm also like really into this show, The Good Place, and it features Kristen Bell and it's about. Um, just kind of like the afterlife and it paints this really wonderful visual and it's like the the good place is the afterlife. And she says something about any time that I listen to that like consciousness of like I should or shouldn't, I just try to do the thing that wouldn't make the loudest noise. So like the consciousness, I think all of us have a level of consciousness of knowing what's right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And she like talks about how I try to do good because when I do good, that inner critic of like feeling regret Mm -hmm. isn't as loud. And so it's like, that's a self, like a self invested thing. But like when you're talking about that voice of the critic, like whenever the critic starts talking about, I should have done something differently. Mm -hmm. When I know that the path that I took was good and wholesome in that moment, I just am like, thank you so much for your opinion and I just really try not to like feed into it because mm-hmm. the moment that I feed into it it's it's like it kind of runs away mm-hmm. so I I think about voices a lot too in the head and like how do I silence the one that is regretful and then how do I silence silence the one that is critical but I still let them have their time or else it could get really yeah. loud
1: The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv.
2: Well, and I think it kind of brings up a, you know, kind of critical issue, which is, I guess you could call it avoidance or coping mechanisms, you know. So for most people, or hopefully not most people, but, you know, like, we all have these you know, wide range of emotions. And I think that some people, when those like painful or scary emotions come up, it's like an attitude of avoidance. I'm going to just ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Or an attitude of I'm going to use this coping mechanism like alcohol or drugs or shopping Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, you can kind of like, there's a lot of different ways that I think people just, you know, work to, like, dig a giant hole and shove all the emotions inside Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, like, giving a place for those emotions to exist. And like you were kind of saying, like, you acknowledge that it's there. You acknowledge that emotion and then you forgive yourself for feeling it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, But rather than having this, like, I really kind of think a lot about, like, the digging a giant hole and putting emotions inside thing because I see a lot of my friends – you know, we'll kind of do stuff like that. And, you know, because painful things happen and traumatic things happen to us. And that's just kind of a part of our, of our lives and amazing things happen too. But I think that having a way of, you know, I guess you could call like a healthy coping mechanism for dealing with those really human emotions and that pain and that grief that is inevitable at some point in our lives. Um, And I kind of feel like that's what yoga lets us do. It lets us sit in a place where we can be really present with all the emotions that we're feeling, but then in a really, um, you know, like a powerful way, like at least for me, I feel like I have more control and more power to be able to say, like, I'm not going to let this feeling of anger, like, wrap me up and like take over my day or if there's a something that somebody's done or said and certainly on YouTube like there's definitely enough like mean comments that have been said over the years and I just try to like feel the emotion that I feel from that person's comment but then know that you know kind of what you alluded to earlier like that anger or criticalness coming from that perfect stranger on YouTube, like, that's coming from a place of their own pain, Mm -hmm. you know, that, like, they would say something mean to a perfect stranger on the internet, you know, to try and, like, harm them or make them stop what they're doing. Um, So, you know, just being able to be really present with the emotions, not ignore them, but then also not let them, like, carry you away like a big wave and then, like, your whole day is just being stuck in this, like, I'm, you know, whatever. Whatever mean thing that they said about me. Um, And I think, you know, we always hear that thing, uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. But words really can hurt us, you know? And I think that being in a place where you can – I don't know, just observe those different things and observe those emotions and not judge those emotions or feel like, oh, now I'm a bad person for feeling hurt or I'm a bad person for feeling, you know, anger. You just kind of like accept that emotion for what it is and then find a way to like, hey, how can I like move my energy somewhere else and focus on something that makes me happy or... You know, thinking about something that you're grateful for, I think, is a great, like, little trick for myself Mm -hmm. to, like, get out of that um, kind of, like, mudslide of hurtful emotions and try to, you know, rather than just being like, oh, I'm going to just force myself to be happy or I'm going to just pretend to be happy. I'm going to try to think about something that brings happiness to me and, like, flood out the bad emotions Mm -hmm. with the good ones.
0: Yeah, so I 100% agree and I think that it is really hard, and I think that's why I I view the, I view
3: um, space I think very differently than most people, and I'm, that in itself is a generalization. But I I view that energy has to come through the body and it has to be outletted in a physical form so that's why I really advocate and love yoga yoga does not mean you have to come to a yoga studio on a yoga mat yoga can be you going for a walk and doing that practice that you just did of being like okay what that person did that made me feel this way says more about that person and those words do hurt me and they hurt me because there's something about what they said that really triggers something inside myself mm-hmm. and being able to kind of walk and multitask can be that thing. So like yoga doesn't have to be on a mat. It can be anywhere that you really have these internal dialogues that are beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. But then that also activates a really interesting point too, that people process things differently. Yeah. And so that's why I'm a huge supporter and advocate towards getting like um, a space for therapy and the sense of counseling because I go see a counselor all the time. Whenever I feel like there's a lot that I just need some someone to hold space for me, mm-hmm. I go and I just kind of talk about what's on my service level part of my mind. So the way that I view therapy is like kind of like a nice deep sleep. So when you aren't getting good rest, like you can't think clearly and you aren't being you aren't able to problem solve and have mm-hmm. capacity. So like, for me, like, going to therapy is, like, a reset button of me just, like, getting out all these negative things. And Mm -hmm. then, like, like I said before, like, watching the words and being like, how do I really feel? Okay, maybe that's not it. And, like, doing my own process. Yeah. Like, some people need more space in the thought. And that's why, like, good friendships, like, you are kind of the summation of all these people that you surround yourself with. And for a long time in my life, especially in my other 20s. I did not know how to be a good friend and I didn't know how to hold space. And the reason is, is because I felt that there were so many people in my life that didn't know how to hold space for me. Like every time I would say, Oh, I feel this certain way. People would say, Oh, you shouldn't feel that way. Like you should, you should feel this way or you, you you know, you think too much or blah, blah, blah. And then I just realized that is their experience. That Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be my experience. And I really cherish my thoughts because my thoughts are opportunity for growth. And they're yeah. also, like, this own internal diary that's continually happening. So when I go to see a therapist and just, like, say, you yeah, know, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. It just, everything kind of opens up. Mm-hmm. I feel very much like um, minor- Minority Report with Tom Cruise where he's just, like, moving in, <laughs> like in this, like, like digital world. It's uh-huh. like what we do online, too, but, like. I'm able to kind of like emotionally and think data dump there. And then in yoga, it's the same thing, but we're dispersing the energy through movement. So it's like at least having a balance of where you know you need space is really important for the human condition. So it's like, I used to think that my husband had to be the place that all of that had to be, like, offloaded to. Like, he had to be my therapist. He had to be my best friend. He had to be the person that would want to come to yoga with me. And now I'm just like, no, he has his, his life. He can be who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to think my friends had to be those things. And don't place those expectations unless they open those up to you, right? right. Like, if a friend is like, Karina, I mean, how have you been? Like, tell me. And, and then you're like, oh, man, I can really feel comfortable safe to do this well that's great but don't feel forced that you have to you know yeah. and I just like to tell people that they have the power to like find these spaces for them that can live help them live their best life because mm-hmm. it can feel really isolating in either space if you're like oh, I'm going to yoga every day and I feel good but then afterwards I'm just like I have, there's still like this residual thing that I need to get off my chest and I don't know mm. what it is well then by golly, like like you know do the health like pair everything together that you know work well like maybe that is to go and do like a talk therapy maybe it is to like do something creative with your hands maybe Mm. it is like eating healthier and like supplementing some vitamins that you might be deficient of like there's all these things that if you have access to that you can kind of like feel the infantry of force for yourself Mm -hmm. and that's why I think that like it's not just one thing, you know? Right. And I, I, like, love all the things that you were talking about, too, because I feel it. I feel it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that I have to manage, but I know it's in, like, my best interest. And all those things I don't feel regret doing. Right. So then I'll do them.
2: Right. Yeah. I think that there's definitely, um, you know, a lot to be said about getting our... Emotions out of us, you know, and letting, I mean, it goes back to like the digging a giant hole in the mud and putting everything in there versus being like, okay, I'm going to lay out these emotions and talk about them and give my awareness to them. And you're so right. Once you kind of bring your awareness to something or a way that you're feeling or a grudge you've been holding or whatever it is, just by like sh- shining some light on it, you know, the light of your awareness, just shine a little light on it and you, can either see, you know, how you could change that emotion or how, like, oh, maybe my own assumption about what that person might have meant by making that comment. Now I've like created all of this, yeah, all of this like feeling about like assuming that they were implying this about me or whatever. And you just kind of realize like, okay, wait a second. I just made all that up in my head. Mm -hmm. And even if they did say something that was mean or hurtful, you still just by like bringing some light to it and some light to the emotional response that you got from it gives you so much power to be able to either... You know, like they say in yoga all the time, like let go of the things that aren't serving you. You notice those emotions or those feelings or those little internal habits that you have and you start like, okay, well I'm going to make a mental intention and decision to like not let that stuff bother me anymore or forgive myself for being really hurt by the way that this person treated me, but then also make a decision to like step out of that place and just live my life and not let all of that pain dictate, like, every thought that I have about myself and everything that I do.
3: Yeah, I, I think that you you illustrated and put that, like, very clear, and I, I agree so much. And then there's, to me, like, as you were demonstrating that, I almost feel like you can, like, place your emotions down as, like, trading cards, you know? Yeah. And then, like when you see one like for me I mean to get more specific of like me and my background I was watching this uh really interesting video about like when people share their stories it's a a very vulnerable space because the force critic is yourself and then b once you start doing that people can say oh my gosh that's like a little bit of my story and Mm -hmm. there's like that connection and also it's it's just a very neat thing to witness. Mm-hmm. Like, like You can't even really put into words. But, like, for me, I think I've dealt with a lot of abandonment and commitment issues because I'm not saying or using it as an excuse, but my storyline is that I was adopted when I was 18 months, and I was raised by a very, very nurturing, loving, caring, very... Um, wanting to support me in every way possible family. Mm -hmm. So I I like really love that. But with that support team, I almost felt like strings of expectation. Like we were going back in like the college and having kids and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And so for me, that card of like commitment and abandonment tends to be laying like face down a lot. And I'm like, I'm not really thinking so much about it, but sometimes it will flip over and I will feel very much like in this general place where I'll blanket that the world is bad and people's intents are bad, and, mm. bad and, like, and I will have lost all hope for humanity you know? yeah and, and I will see that and what used to cause me so much pain and angst was thinking that I could not fix that or that I had to have excuses or that like I had to find a victim and a valor or a a victim and a villain in every situation Mm. and now i've like learned like okay it's okay like it's almost reconciling your like infantile self to be like it's okay to feel that way and i'm i'm sure like everybody feels at some time in their life lost or they don't have the answers and a little bit discouraged by that Mm -hmm. and so i like allow that car to be what it is, and so when it rears its ugly face, as I like to refer it, I like try not to think of it as ugly, and I'm just like, that's what I'm going through right now. Mm-hmm. And what helps and alleviates that is like the talking about it, and that's really counterintuitive because a lot of times, like Brene talks about, we want to almost hoard our shame because mm-hmm. we think that that will um, somehow make us stronger. But really, what makes us stronger is talking about being like, I'm not perfect. There are times when I'm like, oh man, I'm I'm feeling low. And and that's, like, what helps the collective, I think, grow and expand because if you just keep your experiences and your judgments of yourself and others to yourself, then there's no room for anybody to come in and say, you know, I feel that way too. And then this is what helped me. And how about you being, like, shaped this yeah. perspective? And then it becomes, like, this live moving, mobile thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, this is my world, this is my reality, I don't want anybody in, and I, like, I, I feel that opening up is painful, mm-hmm. you know, so, like, those are just some lessons in my yeah. so I really like the illustration of the light on and letting
2: them be what they are yeah and I love your little analogy of like our emotions and our experiences or like we're playing a game of war or mm-hmm. whatever right and like all the cards are yeah. you know over the course of our life sometimes like these cards are face up and really prominent and then sometimes like this like really sad or traumatic thing that happened maybe a long time ago or maybe we haven't even thought about it in a long time and all of a sudden that card just flips and like that is the thing that is it like um it like puts a a filter over everything else you see and maybe it's like some of those emotions are um they're yellow and they're happy and everything's great and then sometimes it's like the big dark gray filter gets turned over and yeah like learning tools and methods for moving through those times Mm -hmm. and you know, kind of building our toolbox, you could say of, you know, whether it's doing yoga or going for a run or just, you know, doing deep breathing or meditating or whatever, that we like recognize that, yeah, sometimes those cards of sad emotions get turned over, but it's totally okay. And now I have you know, a little toolbox of things I can use to help me, like, start flipping over the positive cards again and, like, start seeing things with, like, the pink colored glasses again rather than the gray ones. Exactly.
1: We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash
0: I think it's also just being able to recognize that that happens and what helped me a lot in my path of just self-help, as silly and like blanket as that is, I realized that things are temporary. Like even Mm. the most blissful, euphoric feelings, like those are temporary because something will knock me into something else, into another realm. And then the deep, dark, despair realms, those are temporary too. And I think that that really helped me because it almost felt like when I was In my euphoric space, that I wanted it to last forever, and then when I was in my deep dark despair space, like the more I fought it, the more it would, like, continue, and Mm. I would feel suffocated by it, like almost like, how come I can't get to that euphoric place? Because that's where I want to be forever, and I'm stuck down here in this deep dark dwelling, and it's embarrassing, and it's, uh, I'm ashamed of it, and. Um, it's ugly and I feel that people can tell and sense and know that I don't have it together. And the more that I would just like unravel on myself, I would just like be in it. And so I also had to like teach myself to do the counterintuitive thing, which is like to get out, to change my scenery, to go talk to somebody, to do the thing that seems like, oh my gosh, that's like the last thing I want to do. I like realized that if I did it, that little critic inside my mind. Would like dissipate Mm -hmm. like the moment I start it, but it takes so much energy and effort to just start it. Like, I mean, because I can fold in on myself and like on my thoughts so easily, and so just to like be like, those are valid thoughts, and I don't have to like I don't have to shove them down, but I also don't have to deal with them all right now. Mm -hmm. Like, let me prioritize them, and then let me go and do something that's like beneficial to me because. Then I will come back with the level head and be like, those things that were really bothering me, they're not so big. They're not so big and ugly and hairy and scary and they're just there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, like, what I love about this conversation, it's like we, like, went continents into, like, all these directions. And it just (laughs) all comes back to, like, yoga doesn't have to be your thing or my thing or anyone's thing. But it just at least I want the missions of the the ideas of why they exist to, to, like, kind of ruminate with people, which is, like giving yourself space of whatever it is that you need to process. And if you like to process however you like to, then that's great. But just, I want people to just have space for themselves. Right. Yeah.
2: And definitely one of our, um, you know, kind of guiding principles with Psyche Truth and Wellness Plus is like, help people see that there's this huge fountain of beauty and positivity and, like, wonderful things we can do to help ourselves feel better. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's yoga, maybe it's working out or meditation or getting healthy. Um, but I just try to always, you know, remember that, yeah, everyone's different, you know. And for some people, it could be, you know, um, martial arts. Swimming, diving, I mean there's just this really endless um, list of things that could like potentially be your thing that helps you feel better but just to remind people that hey there's there are things out there that can help you feel better and empowering them to 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 be able to look and see that Um, potential for feeling better or potential for living a better life and feeling really content and then maybe helping to like guide them to find that thing or whatever.
0: Yeah. And it it was exactly like the thing that you said earlier of just like, no matter what anybody does, that's new. It's like, um, there's this book that talks about like um, art and fear and it talks about how when artists begin stuff, you know, maybe they're replicating something that has already been done they're like using a prototype or a template of somebody else but by copying which has such like gotten such an ugly coin term that they realize what they want Mm -hmm. and then they can kind of create their own path and so like yoga and it doesn't have to be yoga it's like what you were saying they have options and it doesn't have to be the same as yours it doesn't have to be the same as mine but just in the art of like kind of weaving it into their life, they can hopefully find something that works for them and be like that really worked for me or no that didn't work for me, but now they know. Mm-hmm. And so like that's I think really powerful.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Well, Julia, I'm just oh so gosh. appreciative <laughs> of you coming in today and sharing this time with us. Yes. Um and I'm really excited to do some uh some podcasts, we can talk about so many different things, all of this emotional dealing with emotions stuff was like very poignant for me right now. So, um, so yeah, I just want to thank you so much for being here and so excited to continue our conversation. Yes. Thank you so much, Karina. And I want to thank all of you patrons for supporting us, literally making it possible for us to keep doing what we love. We are eternally grateful and I really hope that you will join us in the rest of our videos. Thank you so much and have a great day.
1: The Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.